Hello everyone. Hello. Welcome back to the channel. This amazing channel and yeah. our enthusiasm. We did, um, we put out uh, a thing on Instagram and wherever a couple of weeks ago maybe, just asking for questions like, if you've got a question you want to ask us, it doesn't have to be about photography or from just anything. If you want to hear for some reason what our opinion is on something, ask us and we got a load of answers so we picked like four that we wanted to answer um some of them were somewhat similar and some of them were kind of about front but we'll do another video on that specifically around like updates of what front is and where, where we are with that i mean we can give a little update about what we're working on at the moment with front i guess yeah well i think in a couple of weeks time we might be able to give a more of a detailed update on what we're doing but for now, uh, we are still working on it and we are trying to tie everything down to get an actual date for when we can go live. Um, because at the moment, we know that people are asking us and we don't have that an answer for that other than uh, it'll be quite soon and it will be quite soon. Yeah, yeah it's not, not a long-term thing. It's definitely in the, the foreseeable future, the short-term future. Yeah. Yeah, and we just want to get it live now, but we want it to be as good as possible. We're tweaking it where we can, and then obviously we just got to make sure everything works. Setting up a load of like legal framework and load things like that, kind of more businessy, boring stuff. So well, in terms of not front, we have now recorded a fair few podcasts. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for everyone who has actually listened to this as well. Um, but yeah, we've got podcasts recorded with. Our ambassadors. Um, what have we put out up to this point? So we've got just Sophia, Madison, and Ayu. Record. I've got a nail down Christian. So Christian, if you're watching this, yeah, let us know when you're free. He, he, he did say he'd do it, but he said that he felt the one with Ayush was so good he couldn't he couldn't do a better one than that. Okay. He could do one with his missus because his missus is a good photographer as well. Great. Yeah. 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 Maybe we could do a little coaching, but we've pre-recorded one with Bray now. We've done one with um, Josh Francis, the photographer Josh Francis. We've done one with we've done, Josh yeah. Northorpe, who's local to us, but he's, yeah, an inspiration with what he's working on. Well, yeah, we did one with, yeah, Josh Astrop. Astrop, what did I say? Althorpe. Althorpe, that's another Northampton institution. Sorry, Josh. But yeah, but they're kind of people who are just photographers that we like. They're not like people who are super well known or anything like that. But that is quite a good point in that um, we want to speak to anybody on this. So if anybody's got um, something, if they just want to come on and talk about their photography journey, just tell us and we'll, we'll speak to you. But if you've got anything in particular you'd like to chat about that you're working on, project or um you just want to talk about something and you think it would be relevant to what we're doing uh we don't care if you've got like zero followers on instagram you know, or anything like that we just want to talk to people obviously what we're trying to do is go, hopefully going to help the community we want to talk to anyone and everyone. There's so many good artists out there, which we see on a daily basis when we're posting your work or just, you know, looking through it. Yeah, we're blown away by the, the quality of the work. So, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. 
if like if you're just getting started and you want to talk about something and you're happy to jump on and have a chat with us for half an hour or so let us know we say half an hour we end up talking for about three hours but um yeah you don't have to stay on you can cut us off if you if you don't like us yeah, yeah. cool yeah enjoy the episode yeah. drumroll please <laughs> Which film stock do you wish to come back and why is it why is it a pack film? What's that? Well, just let's just answer the first bit of it. And my answer to that is I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure say Colour Plus Two Hundred, because I do love Colour Plus Two Hundred and like I said, it's I feel like it's just a throwaway film, isn't it? But But it's there, do. isn't it? You can buy it. You just Oh, you mean one that you can't buy anymore? I think that's what they what they're saying. Which film stock do you wish to make a comeback? I mean, the one that everyone wants at the moment is that Fuji. What's the Fuji one that went out? They've stopped making it. Pro 400H. About that 400, it's, it's one of them films that when you see, like, the samples of it, it looks great and you think, oh, well, I want to shoot that film, but you can probably, there's probably, like, loads of different films that you can get that would produce a similar kind of look. It's a bit of a kind of like Velvia is like a Fuji mm. film um, one and there's another one which is basically similar kind of look you've got like these kind of bright but not blown out colours mm. when they discontinued that Fuji film like it, it made everyone go mad for it and start buying uh, expired eBay paying extortionate amounts of money for I saw roles listed at like 50 quid on eBay and I'm sure people were paying it thing is I might be wrong I'm pretty sure they're still making it until like November it'll just be really hard to get hold of but people mm. were going mad I've never shot it before and it did make me look at it and go I want it like I want to buy some mm. uh, but I actually I'm pretty sure there's probably half a dozen other films made by different companies or even other Fuji films that um, have that kind of that have that kind of look. Mm. The one that I wish the sort of film I wish that we could buy and process more easily is that kind of chrome and um like you've got that Kodachrome. Yeah. The um, that you get ectochrome, which you can still buy, but I think it's not as simple to process. Is that right? I thought ectochrome is the one that you can. Oh no, no, I think yeah, I think you're right because there is a film stock that. I'm sure there's a black and white film stock as well that you can you can develop in color. Yeah, yeah. Um, chemicals. Yeah, the Ilford, what whatever it is. Yeah, Ilford XP2. So like. That's an interesting one because I know now that uh, developing black and white film is really easy and is uh, widely done by film labs. But like when I started shooting on film again, you know, like 10 years ago, I started shoot. I just used to buy whatever color films in Jessup's, wasn't too fussed about it. And um would take it into Jessup's to get it developed. And then would, after a while, I started looking around for somewhere that was more like a little local place. I used to live, uh, 
I've worked in Wandsworth and I found a lab in Ballum. Yes. And um, they processed everything a bit more cheaply. It was a little independent place. Unfortunately, it's closed down now. But when I first spoke to them and said, oh, I've got, um, I've got some black and white films to develop, it was like, oh, black and white, oh, I don't know, mate, I don't know. And I looked on it and I went, oh, well, it's, it's C41. And he was like, okay, fine, can do that. But it's cheaper, isn't it, right, to, to, to dev in colour? I guess it was just, well, yeah, once you set up for it and you're allowed, that's this, this straightforward thing to do. But now it's not, it's not really any question. I think it costs a little bit more to get an actual black and white film rather than a C41 black and white film developed, but it's still widely available. But yeah, 10 years ago, it was real like, oh, I don't know, I don't know about that when you try and get it done. So luckily, I didn't realise at the time that like there was different types of black and white film. Mm. That there was different processing options and there's actual black and white film or there's like colour black and white. Colour black and white, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where now that Ilford C41 black and white is almost a bit of a outlier. It's like a bit of mm. I just wish, like, I've got the my X Pro 2, but the film simulation I always use is Classic Chrome, it's called, and it gives that real nice, kind of chromey look. So, yeah, more films um, available like that. Mm. Um, so, I just feel like, like, I would still consider myself new to film photography, as well as obviously shooting digital and whatnot. But when it comes to film photography, there's so much out there that I haven't tried that is available. I'm not really going to worry too much about what isn't available. Yeah. You know, you know there's hundreds that I haven't tried. Um, so I don't, know, it's, it's, I don't know, especially with Analog Wonderland, do you know what I mean? Like you can go on there and you put in it together a little order, you just your normal stuff, so you, you know, your normal stuff, so to speak. Mm. And then you might just randomly buy something else just to try it out. I, I feel like I'm at that point. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. Yeah, not, yeah, that's not, like the wonder box, isn't it? That's why. Exactly, it's great. About any, I have a particular affinity for any film at the moment. Yeah. Um, I do, I do really like that Vision 3 Kodak film, the tungsten film, but you get some interesting results if you shoot it in, I don't know, kind of like overcast days and things like that. So it's quite a nice colour film for um, when you're not in a bright, sunny day. I've got some examples of that I can mm. put up on the screen now. Um, and um, that's quite a cool one. And then, yeah, I just think there's so much to try. I quite like just having one film that you like and um, not standing in front of my fridge for five minutes when I want to go out and take photos going, yeah. well, um, I've had that for quite a while, but I don't want to shoot it yet. I want to save it. <laughs> it depends on what equipment you use as well, though. Because, like, for me, like, I went out and did some street photography the other day. Yeah. Um, just walking around. So it depends on the, the camera I was using. So if I know the camera, I know that I can kind of afford to experiment a little bit because I know what my camera can do but if it's something that I haven't used too much then I don't want to 
you know, I'll probably just put some colour plus through it because I know what colour plus looks like. So then I, if I mess up using the camera or yeah. the lens or if I'm trying something new, whatever it might be, I know that I know what the film's going to produce. So I don't want to put a £12 roll of through film that I've never used before in just a throwaway situation or something that I don't really care too much about the results. If it's a planned shoot, then, you know, if I've got something in mind that I deliberately want to shoot, then, then that's when you think, oh, what film should I use? But... Yeah, I think if you're just going out casually, yeah, I don't know. There's there's enough cheaper options that I feel like I can just pick up and go to. Yeah, I think what I would like more options of is like high speed color film, like mm. um, above eight hundred even, because you want to go and shoot, but maybe it's a bit darker. Not so much at the moment. Now we're getting like the sun's coming out more, but over the winter, I wish there was more stuff like Cinestill but what isn't tungsten film mm. but stuff that you go out in the evening or in the day when it's really grey and gloomy and shoot some cool colour stuff and get some different um, like types of shots that's why I bought that Vision 3 oh, yeah. film so I just thought I'll see what it looks like and it looks really cool it's quite eerie um, yeah, get some nice weird sort of results and that. Yeah, otherwise, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot out there, isn't there? Tell us, tell us what you think. Drop a drop a comment or whatever the the deal is. Drop a comment. Let us know what film you like, why, or if there's anything you can't get hold of, what what it would be. Yeah. Uh, right. Next question. What is the first thing that catches your eye about a photograph? All right. For, for me. It's different because it depends what fire it is. So if it's like a landscape, mm. I'm just captivated by the landscape. Do you know what I mean? I look for like layers. Mm. But what I know about what I personally like when I look at any photograph, or you know, if it's a portrait, obviously you've got a subject in the photo, or if it's something to do with street photography, then there's usually like a subject, unless it's like black and white. But if I look at a photo quicker than just a a glimpse at it and I look at it and go, oh, that's a cool photo. And it makes me want to kind of zoom in and look at the detail of the photo. Then that's what I would consider a good photo to me. Yeah. Um, if I'm drawn to it to look at it further in more detail. Yeah. But usually from the outgo, it's just something in the photo or the colors. Um, but again, if it's black and white, then I'm looking at the whole thing. I'm looking at what's going on in every corner, doing how it's being used. But yeah, colour. I just want, just want bright, nice colours. If, if I can imagine standing there, then yeah, that's good to me. Yeah, I think it differs. That's the same with digital or film. Digital or film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of um, when it's colour. Let's say like a landscape. I almost want it to look not like a photograph. Like some people have the ability to take landscape images that almost look like paintings or look a bit yeah. more otherworldly or something and that's what really catches my eye um, yeah. i'm not the biggest fan of like landscape work um certainly not it's not something i see and go oh i want to do that type of photography mm. um, i reckon i will one day but like when i'm like 
I'm going to say when I'm 50, but I'm going to say like maybe 70. But, um, <laughs> you know, when I'm, when I'm a bit less mobile, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But so I'm the opposite on that. So landscape really, really appeals to me because I don't know, maybe it's the, the bit that wants me to get out and go somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So like if I see a nice landscape photo, it makes me want to go explore. It either makes me want to a be there in that photograph, and if I can, if it's a, a good photo to me, mm. it resembles exactly what it looks like if you were stood there taking the photo, or it motivates me to go out and explore some things, even if it's round near where I live. Yeah, I guess um, I want to see landscape stuff that isn't what I normally see. So to yeah. me, looking out over a load of fields and trees and skies is a bit dull, but that's because- You sit every day. Yeah, like, <laughs> I have back into a field and I can see yeah. the um, So yeah, it's a bit of a, I mean, I wanna see like mountains or yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I suppose the stuff that normally catches my eye is like really really good street stuff because that's what I like but like inventive work that I think uh that's you know I wish I'd be able I'd take a shot like that I wish that I'd have you know see something that I think I would have missed that shot because uh I wouldn't have seen that scene unfold or something like that. The guy who I mention all the time is Edis Wong, who just does these really funny um, images that it can, there can be nobody in the picture, but it's how he's lined up a staircase with a, an advert on the wall and it looks like someone's climbing the stairs or just something as simple as that. Yeah. When you look at it, you kind of go, um, I think if you weren't a photographer and you showed somebody that picture who wasn't a photographer, they might go, yeah, okay. There's nothing there, yeah. But as a photographer, you look at it and go, to notice that is really, really clever. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Like, yeah, somebody might see it and go, yeah, it looks like, I, I get it, the person's, looks like there's a person climbing the stairs, but it's an advert, like, so yeah. Long. But it's like to explain, yeah, but that's such a hard thing to spot. To me, that's like genius level stuff. Yeah, I feel like that's where I want to go with a bit more like with street photography because I feel like I'm at the point now where I'll go out with the camera or go out on my little Rico, whatever it might be, film more digital again. And I kind of, yeah, I've done it with you, like we stand around kind of waiting for something or I see like a nice scene and I'm like, this, this will make a nice photo. Yeah. And then I'm waiting for something to happen or waiting for someone to sit on a bench or walk around the corner or walk into a bit of light because I've framed, I've already framed the shot. Yeah. Then the kind of street photography that I'm appealed to is more capturing that moment, regardless if it's technically a good photo or not. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? If something happens and you're quick enough to pull up the camera, take a photo and you're never going to see that again, no matter how long you kind of wait around for, yeah. I think that's good. I, 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 again, I going back to people that we like, I know they're ambassadors, but Yoshi and Christian do that really well. Mm. Um, I know they're at protests, so it's a little bit, you know, point and shoot kind of atmosphere, but still every one of their photos, I'm like, 
you're never going to reenact that again. Do you know what I mean? They're capturing expressions on people's faces or something happening. And yeah, that's definitely, definitely inspiring. Yeah, just saying that on the as we record this on whatever day and <laughs> what's the date today? Monday the 26th. So some stuff that I was putting up yesterday from the I'm gonna say anti-mask, anti-vaccine, something protest. Just amazing. Yeah, yeah. Really powerful images. Yeah. Um, pretty brutal in parts on both sides from the police and the protesters. And again, it's like a testament to his unbiased work. He puts out like a set of photos, like a series of photos, and they all work really well together. Mm. But I'd be happy to take one of those photos. Do you know what I mean? And I'd be like, yeah, this is a standalone piece of work that I'm happy to put out there. But to put a series together like that, yes, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, really, really cool. So... Yeah, I think when you're talking about like black and white stuff, it's more, um, you're looking for more like form and composition, more of an artistic approach, I think. Yeah, it's, it's hard though, isn't it? Because if I shoot black and white, like street photography black and white, the first thing I'm looking for is, is light, like, you know, shadow lines or anything like that. Yeah. And then I'm just hoping something will happen in that space. So you kind of just wait around. Yeah. But when you haven't got that luxury, if something's happening quick and you just have to snap away, that's why I appreciate the photos more. But yeah. it's, it's different with different types of photography. I know we're just talking like street at the moment, but yeah, still, it's how you work the camera, isn't it? Well, when you've got, I think that's where it does come down to a difference between digital and film because I'm more of a, I've got, you know, just loads of different types of film in the fridge and it's just whatever I decide to pick up that day. Yeah. And sometimes that might be down to, oh, I shot one roll of black and white that's 400 ISO and I've got another one and I know that I can develop two at once. So that might be, the, it's just an arbitrary reason why I decide to pick up one because I know that I can, I can then develop it at the same time as the other film. So that might be why I'm out with a black and white film that day. I didn't necessarily take it out because I was like, oh, that's going to be perfect for the type of shots I'm going to get. So I'm just out with a camera that happens to have a black and white film in it. But when I see digital where it's black and white and I'm assuming you shot it in raw, so you can, put, you can edit it however you want, I feel like there's got to be a reason why yeah, black and white it's a little it doesn't have to be but i would like to see it be black and white for a reason beyond i, I like it in black and white yeah 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 that's quite arrogant to say as well because some people just like editing their images in black and white but yeah. again i said about it before it is sometimes the easy option like yeah. That photo got on my wall right in front of me. I get it. From George Francis. I think it's a good example of like that. I feel like a lot of people that would be in black and white. Yeah, he's left that colour in, he's chose to leave it in. Yeah, and it's not, and like I love black and, I love colour images. And I think that would have been such an easy option to really darken those 
shadows and to make it all black and white. But I'm so glad that it isn't. It's yeah, really, yeah. It's perfect like that. That's, that's, that's a whole other debate, isn't it? Black and white or colour, isn't it? People can do whatever they want, right? no matter what I say. But like, I love to see colour images done really well. And I yeah. really, yeah, like you, I like to see punchy colours. Just going back to films as well, that Kiro 400 produces lovely colours, but um, Madison talked about it briefly on her video and I commented on it on YouTube and somebody messaged me saying that Kiro, it's just um, Fuji Superior repackaged. Mm. I was like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuji Superior is 26 exposures instead of 27. And it costs about half the price. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but it does kind of. Let us know if you know. Yeah, I did look it up and I found some other blogs where people were like, yeah, it's just, it's just this Pretty much film. So I was going to buy some, but it's the Wonderbox coming next week. So, yeah. you know, see what's in that. Maybe you'll get a roll. See what flyers are in your Wonderbox next week as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Check out. Cool. So next question then. What is it? Fave bands. Favourite bands. But I, I, I'll open it up to music in general, I reckon. What do you mean? Favourite music? F- Favourite music. Musicians, artists, bands. Yeah. Rappers. Yeah. This is a bit like our quickfire question on the podcast, isn't it? It's a horrible question hey, to answer, really, isn't it? It depends what you're into the day, I reckon. It's hard, though. My, my, one of my favourite all-time musicians is Ludovico Arnaldi, the classical piano player. But I've list, I listen to him every day. He's, I've got him on pretty much all his songs on a playlist, and I used to listen to him to go to sleep. Right. Don't know if you ever heard of him, but um, he's just a pianist, Italian pianist. But um, have you ever watched? You ever watched uh, This Is England? Yeah. The TV show. He does a lot of the soundtrack for that. Oh, so he's a modern day. Yeah, yeah, he's still around now, still around now, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, I, I was always, uh, like, he's played in the UK a handful of times since I've discovered him. Like, I, I've listened to him for probably 10 plus years, mm. and I always wanted to get tickets to go and see him, but I was too scared to do it because I associate him with sleeping. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to go see him and fall asleep, do you know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, that's a waste of 50 quid. kind of auto-response to yeah. yeah, so I just feel... Because, honestly, I can put on a playlist. I'll set it, set it on Spotify. I'll put sleep timer for 20 minutes. But mm. if I get through one song, I'm pretty happy that, like, if I'm still awake by then, that's a, that's an achievement. Right. That's... Yeah, I've got this, a similar thing, I guess, with Brian Eno. Yeah. I love Brian Eno, but also I do use... There's one album in particular that I use if I can't sleep. So, yeah, maybe I'd have the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that would be my classical. That would well, be my classical choice. To throw in there, that's not entirely dissimilar thing. Who's one of my favourite like modern day artists is John Hopkins. Well, he's been releasing albums for about twenty years, but has really probably come into his own in the last for his last few albums. And he is a classically trained pianist but he produces um, like kind of dance music, I guess you would call it as, as a loose term, uh, kind of techno, 
electronic uh, kind of vibe. It's electronic. Yeah, you, sometimes it, it, it veers towards like techno. Sometimes it's more kind of housey. It's always very um, emotional. And, and yeah, well, there's a lot of feeling in it. And I think that comes from him being, you know, a classically trained. His albums really, you know, they weren't a huge course of, um, like, you usually start off quite dancey or, yeah, like, techno kind of sounding and will end up really just maybe with, like, solo piano pieces kind of weaved in through it. It's incredible music by an incredibly talented musician. And he is... Um, I've seen him a few times live and I've got tickets that's been cancelled twice now because of COVID. Oh, really? Um, it's currently on for November and it's one of them ones I was just like, and then I was thinking if it was anyone else at this point, I'd just get my money back and then try and buy the ticket again. But this is like, he's playing at the Royal Albert Hall he's, and he's doing this show that he's never done before he did about half the tour just over a year ago and had to cut it short because of covid yeah um, and i'm really glad in a way that um the show that i had tickets just for was um after the lockdown so i think i'd have been a bit too worried to go um pre-lockdown remember what stuff was like in march last year back um, then so, and venues didn't know what to do, musicians didn't know what to do. Do they cancel and are they liable for, you know, the costs and all that kind of thing? So people were still playing shows really close to the, to that, I think it was the 23rd of March when we went into lockdown. But yeah, I've got tickets to see him and I cannot wait. Like seeing some of the footage from it and it's, and it's what you get from his albums more than his previous live shows, which have been way more focused it's like him and a sampler and his computer and it's really you know full-on kind of dance music and then this is more like some of it's just solo piano pieces but also he's got like lasers and stuff like that which to see all of that at the royal albert hall would be uh will be awesome whenever whenever who, who's who did you go see that you sent me the video of um that, yeah fortet one so he did a show uh he did a series of nights at the um the village underground in shoreditch where he had this company called squid soup who are a lighting company and they have all these lights on uh, it's like a bit of string and then a light, a bit well, not string, but you know, it's that sort of thing hanging down from the ceiling, but it literally hangs down to your knees, and then they're all synced up in time with the music. Um, so it's like this totally immersive light show, but then he brought it back to do at Alexandra Palace. So I had tickets for that, and oh man, that was amazing. Um, He's such a like special musician. Everything he does is just fucking gold. It's mm. so good. I think I saw a Block Party there. Oh, when they did their song. Yeah, yeah. This was years ago, and but even so, the light show that they had just on the stage, like 
was awesome and you just yeah. think oh this is the perfect venue for that kind of thing yeah it's a great venue and also because you come in from the side um you're it's quite easy people kind of um get scattered around the room quite easily yeah yeah that's quite nice when forte played he was in the middle um and literally there was no way for him to get to the stage he just had to walk through the crowd and he walked right next to me in his bright pink t-shirt and like it was so yeah it was so cool but see yeah it's a really good venue i saw the prodigy there um in like 2015 and i'm a, a massive fan of them even like the last couple of albums i think are amazing i think they kind of went down in a lot of people's estimation mm-hmm. um but they're still such a good band and i'm hoping that they continue to release music in the wake of you know keith flint dying yeah it's one of them ones that like apparently apparently keith flint and i i I don't know how true this is but i'm sure they used to drink in northampton every now and then they'd they'd go to the racehorse and drink there really yeah yeah i don't know again that's that's from a friend of a friend of a friend information but Things to make up in that. I saw I saw him at Reading maybe 2012 sort of time. Um, I think they headlined or one of the headline acts, and it was unbelievable. Like, I saw yeah. them. When I was 14 in 1997, just after Fat of the Land had come out, and uh, it's one of the best things I've ever. Seen seen like one of the best there's probably i've probably got about 20 the greatest shows i've ever seen yeah um, but when you when you hear music live it's a different feeling though so if you know if you know someone's music if you go and see them live and they put on a good show it's a different you just get a different vibe from it all together don't you it's so filthy and just so over the top and like it was incredible they were like the biggest band in the world at the time and it was insane. It was so good, mm. but yeah, the um, yeah. Other my other like my all-time favorite bands is with. I, I would say it's quite a hard question to answer. Well, we're not limited to the top three, which is quite nice. Because I'm quite um, like weird about stuff like this. Is I have lists on my phone of like my favorite things. And top sevens. Top seven, uh, yeah, like so my favourite bands of all time, it's a really boring answer, but my favourite band of all time is Nirvana, um, just because that's what I grew up listening to. And I know, like, it's such a... Cliché kind of answer. At least it's not the Beatles. Um, <laughs> any Beatles fans out there, but they suck. <laughs> they See, I, I grew up with the Beatles. Like, it's my mum's favourite band. They don't suck at all, do they? But you know, <laughs> I, hate it. I just yeah. not something. Even when I was little, or you know, younger teenager, my mates would have it. I always loved the Beach Boys. They're one of my all-time yeah. favourites, and I always was like, Beach Boys are, are so much better. But yeah. See, I, I grew up with like, yeah, the Beatles, Michael Jackson, and then. My mum was really like my my mum and dad were both mods, so like back in the day, so I kind of went into like the punk kind of vibe a little bit. Um, yeah. But then, like, I also grew up with like eighties disco, and I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell, give you a favourite band as such, just because I love it all. But 
I don't know. What, what was the first album you ever bought? Like, like knowingly bought, like, because, yeah. you know, I grew up as a kid listening to, like, you know, now 21 or whatever, you know, whatever number it was on. But I'm talking about subconsciously went to the shop to buy. So I know the first ones. So the, the answer to that is predictably Nirvana, Nevermind. But yeah. the um, first albums I actually bought, and I can't remember which order, I think the first one that I remember wanting was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles soundtrack, <laughs> which I've still got on vinyl. And then the second one was the Aladdin soundtrack, um, which is full of bangers and it's, yeah, an amazing album. But um, I didn't actually get it. We were in the shop and my sister went, oh, my friend's got that. Um, I'll just get them to record it for you. And my mum was like, oh, yeah, just do that. I'm not spending five ninety nine on this or whatever it was. And I never actually got it. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I suppose that doesn't count. Really, doesn't if it? anyone's got that and wants to send it over to Luke, then please do. You know what? I did get it in the end. I remember because I remember I, I learned all the lyrics to all the songs because they were printed on the inlay card of the tape. And um, again, tapes suck. And I wish they weren't making it. Um, There's a part of me that does miss recording radio stations to try and make the perfect playlist on cassette yeah yeah i do walk around with you all sort of remember that fondly but like so the first time Foo fighters who awesome band whatever they're doing nowadays i don't really it's not for me but the first i don't know four five six albums i love them after their first album came out and there was world exclusive play of their, what was going to be their first single off the second album, which was Monkey Wrench. It was getting played on Radio One. And again, this was like 1997. So you couldn't just go online and hear it afterwards. Yeah. But I was going to my swimming lessons. So I had to put a tape in, press record, go swimming, come home. It was a two hour. Uh, radio show on a 90 minute tape so I just had to hope that you'd got it yeah <laughs> get home and listen to an hour and a half of it to um, and luckily it was on there and I must have listened to that song like just hundreds and hundreds of times and that's then, a different generation isn't it because like when I grew up it was so I remember so I bought my first album in 99 which was Dr. Dre 2001. Nice, yeah. Obviously it came out in 99, mm. but that was the same time as I started skateboarding. Yeah. And it kind of went hand in hand with that kind of culture. And then I started secondary school and that was, we were still on cassettes or CD players. Then, then mini disc players came out for five minutes and they disappeared. Okay. And then all of a sudden you had CDs everywhere. But um, yeah, Dre, Dre 2001, that was my first album. That's wow. Okay, that's a pretty. I mean, it's a cool answer. Mm. But, it's, but I was super stoked at the time because my parents, like, they never really gave a shit about me watching eighteen films or what I listened to. They encouraged me to go and do what I wanted, yeah. and I got the Dre two thousand and one, and so did my friend at the time. His name's also Luke, mm. but his parents did give a shit about that kind of thing, and he got the explicit version. Uh, sorry, the parental guidance version. 
which is just shocking. Like, yeah. I don't know why you'd ever choose to buy that. I got the uh, first Eminem album and my mum, again, she didn't really care. She went to town and bought it for me when I, you know, I was at school. So I'll pick it up. And then, yeah, she got me the non-explicit version and um, it's unlistenable. Um, <laughs> it's just terrible because it, it, it doesn't flow yeah. for me. It's horrible. Um, so again, this is a yeah. of the times. I couldn't... <laughs> So I got, I went to the library, rented for 30p the explicit version of the Eminem album and kept the CD of that and returned the, um, the clean version. Quite nice. But the explicit version from the library was scratched. So I had to make a decision. So I wanted to <laughs> risk it. But it's all censored. So yeah. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, Northamptonshire County Libraries, but mm. um, I returned the wrong disc. The um, I think the other bands I like I have to mention as favourite bands is like LCD Sound System, yeah, and Underworld, which is a band who are so much more than Lager Lager Lager. Although <laughs> it's an amazing song, but they are an incredible band. Um, a couple of years ago, they released a new song every single week for a year, mm. which is quite a feat. Um, and I've seen them live so many times. They're just incredible. It's just, they're just the best band. Like one of my I remember we used to listen to them a lot when we worked together. Yeah. We might have even spoke about them briefly in that. Right, yeah. When we used to have playlists on at work. Mm. So I feel like that was like the like LCD sound system, metronomy, that kind of thing. That was all kind of like, it was the new wave of music that was kind of coming out. I don't know, not, not an expert in that field, but do you know what I mean? It kind of felt like electronic music was coming out and making its stamp. Yeah. In the industry, do you know what I mean? There was a lot of stuff, wasn't there? There was like dubstep and... Uh, it kind of went from that and then it, you know, you had like indie and then it kind of transitioned nicely from indie into electronic music, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I quite like about stuff now is that there's, um, before, you know, when it was like Britpop, which people who don't remember it look back on it fondly, it's like it was, it was quite boring a lot of the time because there was so many shit bands it wasn't just all like Oasis and Blur, obviously. There was loads of other bands and so much of it hasn't stood the test of time. And a lot of the time it was, there was so much shit banded around. And now you can listen to anything new of any genre, which can be a, be a blessing and a curse, but it's great that you're like, I love techno and I can just find any new techno stuff. There's like, yeah, there's, there's so much new stuff you can't listen to it all. And that's, I think that's in any field, yeah. Doesn't matter what the radio is playing. I just go online and look at labels that I like and listen to new stuff. And using Bandcamp for like artists that you've never heard of, and you can then actually just buy the thing directly from them and give them a couple of quid, and that sort of thing is really nice. Um, I'm sure we can talk about music all day, but um, I'll give a shout out to uh, to Nailbreaker. 
<laughs> like uh, Northampton musician who I love. And um, well, we probably, we'll give a shout out to Slow Tie as well because I feel like he's done wonders for Northampton as well. Yeah, he definitely needs our help. Let's give him a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to his um, Nothing Great About Britain, his like, first full album mm. release. I went to the pub and he chose to do it at the pub. Like, you were that, that, weren't you? Yeah, I was, yeah, it was awesome. And then randomly Skepta showed up for like the last song. Like, but it was, it, I don't know, it was rare because like you kind of see him in the pub from time to time, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, he's still very true to his roots, which is which is cool. At the end of last year, oh no, it wasn't, was it? End of the year before, he did a show. He came after he'd blown up, came and did a show at the Romander in Northampton. Yeah. yeah. And Mike Skinner was there, played there, and like, mm. what, what's that band called? Again, one of these bands, I don't... The band Brockhampton or something? Oh, Brockhampton, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I love Brockhampton. It's not for me, but um, <laughs> they played and like, with him, but um, I really wanted to go, and none of my mates wanted to go. Everyone I was asking was like, oh, no. I even put a thing on my Instagram stories saying... I don't want to go to this thing on my own, but like I can get two tickets for it. And um, one of my mates, I text loads of people. One of my mates replied and said, oh yeah, if you, if you can get tickets, I'll go. I'll come. And then uh, I, they, were good, they, they were gone. I couldn't get them anymore. And then on the night of the show, I was like, oh, I was really annoyed that I wasn't there put my phone away, put a film on. It's like a two hour film, about 10 minutes after the film started, but I didn't see it for about two and a bit hours. He kept me saying, oh, I've got us on the guest list, I'll meet you there. What? And I didn't see that until about half 11 at night. And at which point I'd missed it all. And I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Um, and yeah. So I totally missed out on what looked like a really awesome show. Mm. Yeah, that was pretty getting. But yeah, yeah, slow tie. It's it's cool, isn't it? Um, Definitely, yeah, hundred percent. But he doesn't need our support. No, not at all. Yeah. Not the nail breaker is what. Do you know him? Say again. Have you heard nail breaker? No. All right. Okay. Well, I'll put a link in for him. It's it's kind of like noise core. Um, death grips type rap, but he's amazing. Does such cool stuff. So yeah, it's pretty cool. weird. Well, last last question then. Well, we, we had a few questions, but we just thought these were the most diverse ones. This one's back to photography, and is it is is photography your only creative outlet? Just sort of back to photography, but also not. But also, yeah, yeah. Didn't really properly. I just read the word photography. So yeah, well. I think we've both got different outlets, haven't we? Mm. Yeah. What? I skateboard. Yeah. And I walk my dog. <laughs> Always skateboarded. I know I've spoke about that before. Yeah, but it was pretty good. It's still something I'm very much passionate about. Even if I don't do it as much as I, I would like to. Um, but yeah, it's still something I follow on a daily basis. It's a cool like skate scene in Northampton, isn't there? Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, because we, we've got like, well, we had Radland Skate Park here. 
Um, and now we've got Radlands Plaza, which is in honour of the skate park. And that was, so when I started skating, it was 99, and we had the World Championships here in Northampton mm. at Radlands, which was, you know, when you're a little kid, that's probably the best thing ever. Yeah, um, that Because that's where I am when I was, I used to skate when I was a teenager, um, and I really hurt myself and just kind of went, ah, get it. I'm not <laughs> doing it. But I want to start doing it again. Because yeah, I mean, you're messaging me saying, because you want to get your kid aboard, don't you? So I'm going to get one, but I'm just um, looking around to see what I want and then plucking up the courage to uh, be a man approaching 40, <laughs> getting on a skateboard for the first time in about 20 years. Um, but I still wear the same clothes, so. It's, yeah, yeah, that's it. But now, now it's like a trend, isn't it? Well, I suppose skateboarding's quite, without getting too deep, skateboarding's always kind of led somewhat of the way in terms of fashion, hasn't it? There's been some bold moves, but yeah. at the same time, you know, how many people wear Vans nowadays or Supreme or, do you know what I mean, yeah. Palace? When I was a kid, like, you couldn't buy Vans and other than out of the back of, like, remember Sidewalk Surfer? Mm. magazine and like Thrasher and stuff like that that's where you bought vans from you didn't buy them from fucking ASOS or <laughs> whatever the equivalent was certainly didn't buy stuff like that in Topshop that okay that doesn't exist anymore but Topshop was not cool back mm. in the 90s not for men anyway yeah yeah well we were just talking we were just talking about the, the film weren't we Midnight is the, the, the movie before this which is which is awesome I've been talking to Sidewalk Surfer he got to short into Sidewalk um, without geeking out too much, but I've got a couple of magazines still, a couple of sidewalk magazines, just like my favourite ones that I've got like the covers on. But I, I, I threw so many away, not thinking that sidewalk would ever disappear. Like you know, I was too young to kind of understand the business side of it. But yeah, I'm so glad I've still got a couple of copies. Yeah, what's same, same as Thrasher, but Thrasher's still going. What's the guy called from uh, Northampton? Rob, somebody. Rob Sully. Yeah, he was quite. Well. Uh, he was a. He's actually got still got one of my DVDs. I lent him a DVD, yeah, and um, he's got him on it. And he's like, "Oh shit, I haven't I haven't seen that in a long time." So I was like, oh, "Here you go, mate." And to this day, he's still got it. But um, yeah, yeah. Sell it sound. He's like obviously very legendary around here in yeah. Milton Keynes in terms of the skateboarding scene. Yeah, uh, I used to see him at Radlands when I used to go there, and that was always really cool because then still wears the baggies of clothes even today. And what about you? Music, I guess, is yeah. the other. There's my some of my stuff. There's like my synthesizers and um, you know my synths and a bass and I've got like play the drums but like I've just got a little electronic drum kit to practice on at home but um what and I play guitar and playing a couple of bands and that and put music out just started putting like a load of stuff out of my own you should definitely drop a link to your band's various blog video Oh, the bleeding antlers. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that could be his whole own video, but it's already documented, so you could just drop a link. Well, that was, yeah, so that documentary slash fake documentary was made by a photographer um, called Mark Latham. So I'll 
drop a link to his profile and stuff. But he, um, yeah, he came with us on the legendary stag do slash, yeah, our first proper gig at some festival. So yeah, I'll put a link to that in. But like, uh, yeah, I'm playing playing a punk band as well with a couple of my mates and then do my own stuff. Did an album a few, well, oh man, I'd say a few years ago, but it was like 10 years ago now. I had my own album come out and then, um, yeah, do my own stuff. And that's actually the, the theme tune to our podcast is a little snippet of one of my songs. Yeah, I think that's a cool little little shout out to yourself then <laughs> no but i mean like it's it, you know it's not something that we've got from anywhere or paid for a sample or anything that that is our own stuff isn't it yeah i'll put a link to it in there um because yeah i just started checking some stuff up on Bandcamp that i've had sitting on my computer for years on new stuff that i've been making um so yeah that was quite nice to start doing um i was talking to my brother about it who puts stuff up on Bandcamp, and i was like and then what what happens after you put it on Bandcamp? He was like, nothing. <laughs> Just recurring. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let us know what your other creative outlets are, or have you got any more questions or anything like that? Drop yeah, us a message. Yeah, it would be interesting to hear from people who consider photography to be, yeah, a creative outlet, hear what, they, what else they do, whether it's like any sort of design or... You know, like, because I do graphic design for a job, don't consider it a creative outlet. I'm like, it's just work. Mm. So, but I'm always interested in seeing people like Vicky, who do graphic design creatively. That's my missus, by the way. Yeah, like the stuff that she started doing for her personal stuff is really cool. And it's just like, it's it's way beyond anything that I would ever do. Um, She goes through stages as well, because like, she's a graphic designer in the days and that's a paid nine to five job and then yeah she's still motivated to do her own stuff yeah as well as you know various other outlets as well so yeah it's definitely definitely interesting one so they all the ones we're going to answer today yeah we could do we could do we'll we'll, we'll put out another q a um some of the questions were kind of similar and i know we've kind of deep dived into each question but we'll do we'll do another one um we're going to do, do 20 minutes on this weren't we yeah and it's been over an hour now Bye.